This is the Rabbit Rundown, presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I am joined here by my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? A 4-0 weekend. Can't complain. It was pretty good, you know, to to sweep the Nodak schools on both the men's and women's side. It's about all you can ask for. Um, so, yeah, a, a good week of basketball, you know, action. And before we know it here, we're going to be kind of coming – we're, you know, coming down to the uh, end and building towards the Summer League tournament. Um, you know, only a few weekends of, of basketball left. Yeah, you know, we're really uh, winding down here. Uh, we've kind of – we've talked about that a little bit more on the, when we're talking the women's side and the standings just because of, uh, you know, predictions and kind of clinching scenarios. But – we are winding down. We're getting down to the home stretch here. Um, you know, we're you know before we know it, we'll be in the Denny. Um, you know, hopefully watching some more wins. So the exciting time of the year for college basketball is you know it's kind of the high stress environment time of the year. Um, but before we really dive into all the basketball action from this past week, we want to remind everyone that we are brought to you by Dakota Iron. At Dakota Iron, they have all the heavy equipment needs. Uh, they have everything you would need for any of your around-the-house projects, any large equipment, stop in at their 12th Street location in Sioux Falls or visit them online and figure out if they have what you need uh, in their vast network of equipment. Um, on this week's episode, we are going to be obviously breaking down the men's and women's games, uh, talk a little bit about the rivalry week. Uh, that is the USD week. And we are also joined by former men's forward, Reed Tallinghusen. Uh, fun conversation with him coming up here as well. Cody, we're going to start on the men's side of the action because, um, you know, we had two pretty different games uh, from this week, both against the North Dakota schools. Um, starting with a big win at home, obviously, against uh, the Fighting Hawks, 96-73. Uh, to uh, We saw, you know, Matt Morris really have a breakout game, uh, 23 points on 8 of 9 shooting. Zeke led the team with rebounds of 10, and Zeke also led with assists with 6. Um Obviously, Matt Moore's show, um, you know, kind of really had that breakout scoring game. We've really seen him kind of become more comfortable in his role. Um, I feel like even, like, since there's been some of those lineup changes due to injuries and other things, I think he's been a little bit more comfortable at times, you know, maybe playing that three role. Maybe that's something to be built for in the future. Um, but I guess, Cody, initially from this UND game, what were some of your initial takeaways? I think it was – one of the best offensive performances the team has um, put together on the season. 44 points in the first half, over 50 points in the second half. Especially in that second half, it felt like, um, I mean, just they could not miss. Everything was going in. Uh, they made 14 three-pointers. Also had um, Charlie make his return, um, and Alex Arians made his return, both not in the starting lineup, um, but they played Charlie 17 minutes, Alex 23 minutes. So it was really good to see them back and have the team at, you know, somewhat full strength uh, or the most full strength that we've seen in a long time. Obviously, Charlie ended up not playing uh, on Saturday, but uh, it was just an all-around good offensive performance, six players in double figures, highlighted by, you know, Matt Moore's having his breakout game and and hopefully having that spring him to be, more and more comfortable because, you know, he, I think he's going to be an important, probably slide back to the bench potentially contributor. 
Um, we'll we'll kind of see how the lineup might shake out now that Alex is seems to be back for good and Charlie working his way back. Um, but you know, it's can't ask for much more on the offensive end. And it was nice to see the the Jackrabbits back in Frost and and the friendly confines and the friendly friendly rims that Frost has. No, and I think uh, especially in the NDSU game, Matt uh, Mims would agree with that friendly rims that he had one of the weirdest bounces I've ever seen a three-pointer make, uh, like off the front of the rim, off the back of the rim, straight up and then in. Uh, so the friendly rims comment, very true. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think, like you said, Matt Moore is having, like, kind of that breakout game, kind of, you know, the comfort um, level, like, really being there now, kind of in his position with the team. Uh, listening to, you know, Hendo's uh, kind of weekly recap they put out today um, was interesting – the, he made a comment about how this year's offense is more structured than offenses in the past, and the team has kind of struggled to adapt to that. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe this is uh, maybe a question for, you know, coaching, you know, coaches. Maybe it's something you even, you know, as a manager, you uh, you saw, like, I guess does that meaning you know, it was more free-flowing last year when you had guys like Baylor really running the show? And this year, since they don't really, they didn't start the year with a more of a traditional point guard. They, you know, do they run more plays? Do they run more of their emotional offense. I guess what does that kind of comment mean? I think you know to you. I think it it means just that the um, like when they're even when they're just running their their continuity motion offense, there it's more of okay, here's the next step. You know, whether it's swing the ball, whether it's okay now the ball screen comes. It, it's more of like going through the steps of the offense rather than just playing basketball. Um, and I think part of that is also just because it's a pretty young team and they've had to be pretty young at times. You know, you have Matt Moores, who's new to the system this year. William Kyle, new to the system this year. Zeke taking on a different role in this system this year. Um, and, and then, you know, Tanner, Broden, uh, just a lot of people that haven't had as much experience in the system Um because, you know, last year, Baylor, Doug, Alex, Matt, Matt Mims, you know, all those guys have, have played, you know, three years at least in the system. So it was just you can play off each other better. There's better chemistry. And also it helps when you have, you know, someone like Baylor running the show. But I think that's what that comment means. It's just it's it's more structured of this is the next step in the offense. Let's look for this look rather than just kind of playing. Gotcha. And I guess what I found probably the most interesting, especially in the last couple of weeks, I'd say that if, if you were to just ask me without listening, I would have figured the offense have almost been more free. This way, like, you know, Zeke has really become like the, I'd say more than before, you know, like here's our primary score. He's going to take over type thing. I feel like we never really saw, maybe this is me forgetting, I feel like last year, the way the team was built with so many players, you know, there was never just a singular player that just, you know, had takeover type moments, games like, you know, Zeke's had, what, five times in the last few weeks now, you know, with 30 points, 40 points. Um, you know, he's had like these huge games now. I feel like we didn't see that as much, you know, the last couple of years where just one guy really carrying the offense. So I guess that kind of surprised me, I guess, that made the statement where it's more structured. I. I would have guessed, you know, maybe it was a little bit more free flowing, more like, Hey, let's get the, let's get the hot, 
you know, the hot hand, the ball going type offense. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Zeke has the, in terms of like shot selection, I don't think there's any like restrictions on anyone or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's Zeke is expected to take tough shots for the team because he's their best scorer. And if he's not scoring, you know, it's tough for this team to uh, win games. So I think he's expected to take a lot of shots when they're there, but I think how he's getting those shots um, is maybe more set up, you know, whether it's in the ball screen game, we saw that a lot in the NDSU game or um, just even isolation plays for him where it's trying to get him space, but it's more the coaches telling them to do this rather than, um, you know, just free flowing play. And, and part of it is still a Zeke making plays, you know, with his skills with the ball. It's not like they're telling him exactly what to do, but uh, you know, just I think at times it's him um, getting put in position to make things happen. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, just one of those things where I guess just if I would have, like I said, looking from the outside in, but hearing that comment, I thought it would have been more, you know, less maybe less structured the way that the offense has gone this year, where it's been, you know, let's let Zeke be the guy, and we'll like you know fall in line behind it. Um, but I guess, you know, we're kind of skipping over this game going right into the NDSU game. We're talking about Zeke and all the scoring, but, um, you brought up also how like, this is probably the best, best performance the offense has had. I think also you could probably say the best week the offense has had. Um, I think the only two conference game they scored in the nineties, um, NDSU much better defensive team. So the fact that they were able to duplicate this at home on um, the next game was also, I think huge. I think it just shows also, you know. When SDSU is going to be at, you know, like 100%, they're probably still, you know, right up there as one of the best two teams in the conference. Uh, obviously, had a couple bad losses, you know. Look at St. Thomas, you look at the Western game. You know, it's hard to say, you know, if Alex and Charlie played, they would have won. But, you know, now you start looking, it's like, okay, like maybe even one of them were available in those games. You know, we're looking at maybe a couple more wins. It's hard to play that game, but it's just, you know, looking at how they played this week, just shows even with, like, those two – Playing limited minutes, how much better you know the team kind of, kind of plays around. You have you know two real like offensive threats that uh, uh, even in like this case they're coming off the bench that you know probably a lot of teams don't have a, a six-year senior like Alex Darian coming off the bench. They can play about every position and score for about every four on the court. No, totally. It's 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 a game changer having those guys, even from a depth perspective. Like you saw. In the UND game, Zeke only had to play 31 minutes. Matt Mims only played 33 minutes. They were playing 38 to 40 minutes. You know, the Western game that went to overtime, 45 minutes. And so um, you can be a lot better defensively. You can be more efficient offensively when you're not having to play those minutes. So it's it's a game changer to have those two guys back. And, you know, going back to your point of, like, games throughout the year when they haven't looked as good, you know, they haven't really been at full strength at any point. And you could even make the argument they're still not because I think they're probably the only team in the Summit League that has had to play almost the entire season without a first-team preseason um, selection in Luke Apple. And they're not going to have him moving forward. So, um, you know, what they've done of just battling, sticking to it, grinding, and hopefully having everyone back at the right time towards the end of the year is, you know, testament to the coaches and, and the players on the team of, you know, being mentally tough. Yeah, I think, I think you look at it, and I think the word efficiency, um, you know, really goes to the second game. 
uh, especially, you know, both teams very efficient offensively. And uh, Hendo even brought that up saying, you know, how, how well they played, you know, offensively the second game, you know, shot 53% from the field, 47% from three. Um, really, in Zeke, especially in this game, played all 40 minutes, uh, 41 points, but he went 14 and 25 from the field, six of nine from three. So really just took over, dominated the game, uh, really t- the second half, just really took over for for a large portion there where, you know, it was him and Matt in the first half, Dentlinger. The second half kind of became the Zeke show because, you know, he wasn't missing. Uh, so, you know, hard to be like, hey, someone else take a shot when Zeke isn't missing. Um, but even when he got tired, he found ways to score, distribute, that kind of stuff. So um, I think, you know, it's kind of a good segue into the, the NDSU game um, where there was – I think, you know, a lot of interesting chess moves that were played in this game. Um, Cody, I, I know you had some stuff going on, so I don't know how much you were able to catch up or watch much much of this one. But um, any takeaways from, you know, this game specifically? I think what a lot of people noticed is that, of course, it's another NDSU versus SDSU game that comes down to the last minute. It seemed, you know, I think the last 11 times these teams have played, it's been a six-point game or less. NDSU got the best of SDSU up in Fargo earlier in the year. SDSU comes back, gets the win. I think that's the first thing is just how close these two teams are, how good both their coaching staffs are. Um, they always have players that seem to step up in these games. And the prime example of that is Zeke going getting, you know, a 40-burger, a career high, only the, I think, like eighth time or something like that. Someone scored 40 points for um, – the SDSU men's team. So just incredible game by him. And another thing to shout out is the team only had two turnovers. Um, They've really something that was a problem for them earlier in the year. They've turned it into something where they're one of the better teams in the summit league at limiting turnovers. And that goes into their offensive efficiency. You know, part of that is the summit league probably doesn't play as good a defense as a lot of their non-conference opponents. Um, But still, you know, taking care of the ball is, is a big thing to helping that, that offensive output. And, you know, Zeke just took it to another level in this one and was in the zone. Well, um, I mean, you look back at that first half of the season, I don't think it mattered who they were playing defensively. Those turnovers were going to come because they were throwing balls into the crowd. You know, they were. it was a lot of really dumb turnovers early on and, like, just travels, offensive fouls. And like you said, two turnovers in this game, both dead ball turnovers. You know, one's a moving screen that – was it moving? Was it a screen even? I don't think so. Um, and then the other was, uh, I think, a jump ball on, like, an offensive rebound. So both, you know, dead ball turnovers um, where, you know, NDSU doesn't get to have a fast break. Um, uh, and you brought up good coaching. I think, you know, you got to really give a tip of the cap to Richmond here uh, in this game. Uh, you know, Morgan um, and uh, Morgan and Grant were both in foul trouble for major portions of the first half. I don't think either of them played the last five minutes of the first half. And um, NDSU still, you know, led, you know, by two going into halftime, um, which they'd probably be surprised if you said, hey, you're not going to play with either of your big men last five minutes of the first half. Good luck. I think, you know, they think they'd be down. But they uh, they found SDSU's weakness. They figured out, like, hey, you know, especially with Charlie out, SDSU doesn't have four guards that can legitimately play uh, against us. Because um, they really ran at us, especially when Moore's got in foul trouble. Uh, you know, at that point, they they could, they played Arians, they played Zeke, and they played Mims. 
and then it was up to Detlinger, Kyle, and Moores to really try to play defense on a guard, which really never had an answer to. Um, Jakari White, you know, had probably a career high 18 points, very efficient day. Grant Nelson, 27 points, you know, that he's going to do that. He's that he's that their guy, so he's going to score. But um, then 13 points for uh, Wheeler, um, probably another close to near, um, you know, one of her better his better games of the year. Um, I think he even left. He barely played in the USD game with an injury too. So, you know, the fact that he was able to do that efficiently, um, this you know, a lot of things with they found some weaknesses in SDSU's game, um, and you know, I don't know if they didn't stick with it long enough or what it was, but kind of surprised it wasn't you know their game plan. Obviously, you know, they're going to want Morgan to play because you know they're, that's their big bruiser. But um, but yeah, you know, they went that four guard movement, especially when Grant was in the game. SDSU never really had an answer for the four guards in Grant. Um, you know, that's five guys that can handle the ball. Uh, you can guard at the perimeter. And with Charlie out, you know, Tesla didn't play at all in this game, which I think surprised a lot of people, um, especially with how we, you know, how light we were at guard um, and the style that they wanted to play. So, but SDSU stuck to their guns. You know, they could have easily fallen into the, hey, we got to play small ball with them if they're going to play small. Um so, you know, tip of the cap to, you know, the coaching staff are sticking their guns too. And um, I guess maybe Cody, maybe I was oblivious to this thought going into it, but I kind of figured the defensive alignment would be like Kyle guarding Grant and Dentlinger guarding Morgan just because, you know, Morgan being a little bit stronger. Uh, but Jax came out, Kyle guarded Morgan, Dentlinger guarded Grant. Um, and it really allowed for, you know, Kyle to stay around the rim and had, you know, disrupt a ton of shots, I think three blocks. So, um, you know, one of those things where I think early in the year, you know, we see Morgan probably go for 20-plus points and just dominate physically down low against William, uh, Kyle, and just, you know, control the game offensively and defensively. You know, I think Will uh, had one of his, you know, you could say probably one of his best games as a Jackrabbit. Um, offensively, defensively, you know, at 12 points. Like I said, three blocks, four fouls couple of very questionable calls. I think everybody at Frost Arena that day saw that block. That was the fourth foul, and they're still trying to figure out where the foul call came from. Um, we had a very good 27 minutes, 6-6 six six from the field. Uh, again, the word efficient came up a lot for this game. But, um, you know, you just, we've seen him grow a lot offensively and defensively uh, when it comes to, like, patience, when it comes to his abilities. But I think, you know, the way he was able to, you know, stay in front of a stronger – Andrew Morgan, uh, a guy that probably could bully him, you know, down low physical, physically. I think you know that was a big sign of improvement for him uh, just in this game, specifically. No, I mean I think the defensive lineman potentially could have been because Charlie's out protecting Kyle from getting in foul trouble because they knew they were going to have to play him more minutes than uh, necessary uh, or more more minutes than maybe anticipated uh, because you know I think William matching up with Grant, he's He's going to want to, you know, block a shot, go for the fakes. And, you know, so I think just putting them a little bit more veteran defender with of Matt on him potentially could have been, uh, you know, to protect William. But William did a great job on Morgan and, and protecting the rim, like you said. And, you know, those two playing together, which at times this year didn't really work very well. Uh, they both had great games and were a big reason why, you know, the Jackrabbits won. Um, but... You know, it it's still, 
came down to I think Zeke just just having you know the day that he did and, and being in the zone and um, you know it's just one of those days where he couldn't miss and uh, kind of willed his team to a victory with 41 points. And you know it's, it's something we'll never get an answer from Zeke on, but I would love to know what happened at half right before half. He hits a falling away three, kind of right like right in front of the NDSU bench. Someone says something to him. He turns around and starts talking back. And going into the tunnel, he's almost like waiting for him to like enter because they're both with Frost Renovations. They all go through that same entrance way. And uh, maybe they did before too, I can't remember. But like Zeke was like waiting for a couple players and they're kind of getting all kind of pushed back. And then Grant was pointing. Um, Grant also had a very funny moment in the second half where he uh, was chirping with a student. Uh, student must have been yelling something at him. Uh, Grant hits the free throw, grabs his ear like, what did you say? And then points at the student and then goes ahead and misses the second free throw, which was, for people that are paying attention, was very funny. Because the student, I saw him point, I looked back, student section, just kind of that was my area before. Uh, and the student was pointing back and laughing at Grant. So uh, it was very funny moments that were, you know, we said it last week, NDSU a very emotional team. And we saw it kind of come out at times. You know, Grant, like I said, Grant point and like, interacting with a student missing a free throw, going into half, being in foul trouble, you know, Zeke, you know, getting Zeke really going because he came out hot in the second half too. Um, yeah, you know, it'd be really funny to see what actually happened in that halftime interaction because they when it, it got chippy towards the end of the first half and going into the tunnel, um, I might have sent you a text or somebody texting, oh, there's going to be a technical, there's going to be something, someone's going to make a stupid foul, stupid, something stupid's going to happen in the second half. Didn't happen. You know, I think NDSU did learn from from last year with Oral Roberts. But um, it got very chippy, and like you brought up earlier, great rivalry game, and uh, we saw, you know, emotions for both teams come out. No, and I think it, it sets it up for, you know, a potential third third meeting between these two that I'm sure will be close. Um, you know, not exactly sure how the seeds shake out and where they might meet, but um, a, th- a third game between these two I think would be, you know, as a basketball fan before an SDSU fan would be extremely exciting to watch. And even as an SDSU fan, exciting. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see if we get that. And, and I know you, what you said about NDSU being emotional. Was there a reason, did they say why Skunberg and Jakari White didn't start? Was there something that happened down at USD? I, you know, being at the game, didn't really, you know, hear, you couldn't really get those details. I know, I know <laughs> Richmond I said in the change. They just made a change. Maybe it was something, you know. Um, I think Richmond said in his post game that there was some disciplinary stuff down with Vermilion, but I couldn't. I didn't ever know, figure out what happened. They, they played so bad against USD. Um, it might have been a, something like, "Hey, wake, you know, wake up." Like yeah. what do you guys, like? They, you know, they should they should have beat USD by twenty. Especially mm-hmm. the team that showed up Saturday, they should have beat that USD team by twenty. Somehow they lost. Um. Kind of honestly, just surprising, and they, I'm guessing it was a Richmond like saying, "Hey, you're not going to show up. You're not going to have any emotion. You're not going to, you know, show up to play. Like you're not going to start." Because uh, I mean, like they played more minutes. Uh, Wheeler was also hurt in the USD game, barely played, and then started in this game. So that was kind of different. He played two minutes against USD and then started against SDSU. So that was kind of an interesting move in the lineup there. But um, you know, I think it's also something too where. He's probably trying to figure out his lineup still. They're a very young guard. You know, their guards are very young. 
um, kind of like SCSU. And, you know, they've been so up or down their guards this year. So, you know, maybe he's trying to find the buttons to push still. Um, and maybe, you know, it's like, hey, like, these guys, when they're starting, you know, they don't play with the same intensity. But when they come off the bench, they do. So maybe that's part of it. Never really know. Um, obviously, when we don't follow them, it's a little bit harder to really have the finger on the pulse there. But uh, group chime in with NDSU fans. They were all very surprised that neither of them were starting. So, um, but maybe it was a twin thing. They're starting one of the twins, you know, obviously against SDSU. That's why he got the start. But, um, yeah, who knows? Uh, it's probably just Richmond, you know, end of the season, team's getting complacent. They're not having the season they want. How do you, you know, re-motivate the team, get them refocused? Hey, you two, that, you know, it's been starting all year. You're on the bench. <laughs> and maybe like, hey, these two have earned a shot. We're going to let them start, you know. You guys didn't do anything against USD, so maybe why would we let you just keep, you know, going out there and not change anything? So, I don't know. Push the right buttons with some of those guys. It seemed like, you know, they came out and scored, I think, Jakari White. Like I said, probably had one of his better games offensively and defensively um, of the season. He, you know, he was, he was in Zeke. Like, as much as Zeke scored, they defended him pretty well. It just, you know, he became, you know, he got to his spots and he wasn't going to miss, so. Um, they obviously ran a lot of pick and rolls for him too, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they, they did st- try at their best to stay in front of Zeke and proportions. They did do a really well defending him. No, but I think that's probably about, you know, enough about NDSU and when what's going yeah. on with them <laughs> and, uh, dive into the other rivalry matchup we have coming up this week. Yeah. We're going to dive right into that rivalry matchup here. Um, another home game at Frost. We, we've talked about it before. SCSU having a really favorable end of the season, you know, some home stretch, uh, home cooking here. Um, you know, probably if you're SCSU and like Zeke and Matt, probably the perfect time for, uh, you know, one game week. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go out there and bust it on Thursday um, and then play again right on the way to Saturday. You get a nice week long to really just rest up. I'm guessing, you know, very limited early week practice for those two to just really get back to 100%. Um, we'll see with Charlie. Um, you know, they said they put him through some individual drills, uh, here the last couple days. So, guessing you know, he'll be pretty, pretty close to being back, if not back Saturday. Um, guessing just a little bit of re aggravation of the ankle. Will's wearing some different shoes. Um, didn't notice he had some ankle braces on, something like that. So, maybe it didn't help as much as they thought it was. But, um, but yeah, we're gonna go into that USD matchup here. Obviously, a rematch of the first one. Uh, from Vermillion, where SCSU won 82 to 64. I think something that kind of surprised, you know, everybody how the result really came out um, there with the differential score. Um, but yes, Cody, you know, obviously going to have to come in focused. Uh, Zeke in the post game press conference um, with Tyler, you know, did did have the right mindset. Basically said like, hey, like you know, we got the win. Now we're moving ahead. Uh, we know USD is going to want to come here and punk us, so we got to be ready because uh, you know, obviously went down there. Do that to them there. So they're going to try to come do it here. Uh, I guess what are some of the, you know, major keys for this matchup for you? Yeah, I think USD is kind of in a weird spot. They're having a probably disappointing year by what they thought um, they could do coming into the year. But they're mm-hmm. still, you know, right in the, the middle of the, the standings and are playing for seeding just like SDSU is. And it's a rivalry game. Um, although I did hear that. Um, I don't think USD has won in Frost since like 1999. I didn't look that up myself, so I'm not 100% on it, but I did hear that. Um, and so it hasn't been that much of a rivalry 
up in Brookings. Um, but, you know, USD is going to come in and they're going to, you know, try and give it their, their best shot. And I think the biggest matchup in this one is Matt Dentlinger versus Tashos. Um, I think Matt has owned Tashos in his career. Uh, you know, Matt had a really good game down in USD earlier this year. Tashos generally does not play very well against SCSU. I went back and looked, and I think he had six points in the matchup earlier this year. Last year in the Summer League Tournament, four points. The two games in the regular season last year, he had six and 11, and then his junior year, he had six and six. So um, definitely one where Matt has has had the upper hand, and, and I think if he can do that again and SDSU can um, rebound and limit USD's good shooting, they should win this game. Yeah, I think you look at um, – I think Matt, you know, like you said, I think he's a big key to them winning here. Um, I, get, I, I agree with you. I think our biggest advantage comes at that five and four position. I think, you know, the way Will Kyle's been playing, you know, he's a big advantage for, for us there at the four. Um, and the big thing is, you know, their guards just don't let them get hot. They didn't get hot in Vermillion. They, you know, fell off. That's why we got the win. You know, just don't let, you know, AJ go. You know, AJ's probably had a little bit more down season than he was hoping. But, you know, coming off that knee injury, that's not not a huge surprise. I think, you know, everyone kind of expected there to be a kind of a gap year for him before he's back to 100% physically and mentally. So, you know, maybe not, probably not having the AJ year he's expecting. Um, yeah, you, you really just can't let uh, Peril Hunt get going. You can't let our Shambo get going. You can't let their bench guards like Bruns and others, you know, really contribute. Um, Bruns did score 16 in the last matchup coming off the bench. But, you know, they limited everybody else so well that it didn't really matter. Um, and SCSU, I will say, has done a lot better at handling guards this year. I just, like I said, in the NDSU matchup, when they didn't have the guard, you know, abilities, like they didn't have the manpower to do it, they struggled a little bit. But, you know, especially if Charlie plays, you're probably hard-pressed to find another team in the Summit that has two guys that will guard the way Charlie and Matt will uh, for an entire game. You know, between Mims and uh, easily, it, you're probably hard pressed to find two guards that will defend like that, you know, in your face the entire time. They might not, you know, get the block shots, steals, but they're going to be there. They're going to be a pest. They're going to be in your face. Um, and they're going to disrupt you a lot in your flow of the offense, not just, you know, with the ball, but even, you know, they, they do a really good job of off ball defending. I think is where, um, they've really picked up their game this year. Just not letting guys get open, you know, catches and flow into their offense. No, yeah, I, and I think Zeke's probably played better defense than he gets credit for just because so much is focused on how he does offensively. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those three guys can can match up, you know, if Charlie plays with um, Peril Hunt, Archambault, Plitza White, and then, you know, Matt has the advantage down low on Tashos. And, uh, you know, I I think this is SDSU's game, you know, to, to go out and win. Um, it's a rivalry still. There's always high emotions. USD could come out and have more energy, but with you know how the SSU has played in Frost and conference play, it, it should be a hopefully a good victory for the Jackrabbits. And I will say this: playing devil's advocate, USD has gone every other game with their wins losses in conference play. They just lost. They just lost their last game. UND, some they beat NDSU, lost to UND, keeping that kind of streak alive. So, you know, take that how you will. That's the analytics I'll bring to the table uh, as they go every other game. So, 
pay attention to that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, um, this is a, I think this is the opportunity for STSU to show that they're the number two team. I think if you want to, if you want to prove that, Hey, there's, you know, we're number two, you know, obviously Oral Roberts can be number one, but if you want to, you know, I think really define yourself as like, Hey, we're the right now we're, you know, we're not, we're at outside of Oral Roberts. We're going to be, you know, playing on Tuesday in Sioux Falls. This is the game to do it. You know, stay at home, get a big win against the rival, you know, three rivalry games in a row, get the big win here, you know, rest up going into your last cup, your last road trip. I think this is a, you know, a big prove it kind of week, a weekend here for SSU. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Western's right on their, their tail for that two seed. So it's an important game in the standings to be able to help move them towards securing that, that second seed, because, you know, there's, there's teams right there that if they have a good weekend, they can come up and grab it. Oh, for sure. Um, but I don't, yeah, other than that, I don't have a whole lot left to break down in this matchup. I think we kind of covered it all, you know, where the advantages are live for SDSU there. Um, so with that being said, we are going to dive into our conversation with former Jackrabbit uh, coach and guard, or coach and forward, excuse me, uh, Reed Tallahassee. Today we welcome on former Jackrabbit standout forward and coach as well, Reed Tellinghusen. Reed, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, boys? Good. Do, doing very good. Doing very good. So uh, whenever we have a former player on, we usually like to start these with just asking you to explain how you got to Brookings, kind of your path to um, coming to SDSU, like uh, through recruiting and when you were in high school. Yeah, so um, South Coast State started recruiting me would have been probably end of sophomore, early junior of high school. Um, my brother was attending South Coast State at the time, going to pharmacy school. Um, so I was obviously very familiar with Brookings um, and South Coast State as a whole. Um, you know, made it to Hobo Days a couple times um, and just visited the town of Brookings. I actually really fell in love with it um, before they even started recruiting me. Um, it was a great college town, great atmosphere. Um, going to a few football games was, was awesome. Um, and then coach Klink started recruiting me, like I said, um, I think it was early junior year. Um, you know, watch, watch me play a little bit that summer, um, decided to, to offer me a scholarship, um, would have been my junior summer. Um, and, you know, kind of went through the recruiting process as everyone does, um, a few more offers rolled in. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the familiar familiarity with the, the staff, um, Brookings as a whole, um, and to say my brother didn't have a little bit of uh, um, guidance in the decision process, I'd be lying. Um, but, you know, all those things, um, and, and just, it, it felt like a second home to me. Um, and, and that's kind of how I ended up at South Dakota State. No, totally. And we're I think a lot of Jackrabbit fans are probably glad that your brother was able to, to help convince you in that process. But you get to campus, uh, your first season, you find a way to contribute right away as a true freshman. Um, you know, there's a lot of veterans on that team. But, you know, what was that like for you in, in terms of, you know, finding a way to contribute right away and make a difference on the team? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously an eye-opening experience for every freshman when they step foot on campus. Um, I mean, you get out of your parents' house, you're kind of on your own. Um, and I mean, the speed of the game is just completely different from high school to college. No one really realizes that the physicality of the game. 
Um, so, so there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. Um, I mean, I came in a whopping 165 soaking wet. Um, so, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very strong or, um, you know, big. Um, so, you know, that was something I, I knew I needed to improve on um, if, I, if I wanted to contribute. Um, and, you know, you, you go through your first summer and you, there's a lot of question marks, right? You're like, am I going to play this year? Or am I going to redshirt? Um, and, you know, I, I don't think the coaches knew either. Um, they had to evaluate me through the, through the summer. Um, I was able to put on about 15, 20 pounds of muscle um, that, that freshman summer. Um, and which in return, um, you know, Eric Adolph was, he still is a strength and conditioning coach, was my strength and conditioning coach, um, did a great job with me in, in the weight room that summer. Um, and, and that ultimately got my body in the right spot. Um, and, um, you know, I was able to get to contribute that freshman year, um, and, and, you know, play a fairly big role on a, on a pretty good basketball team. No. Yeah. You guys end up being what you could say one shot away from making the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, other than your freshman year, you go to three straight NCAA tournaments. All those teams were built a little different. Um, but at the end of the day, you made the NCAA tournament. What was something that was maybe consistent, you know, across all those teams? And, and how were you able to always get back to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, making it three NCAA tournaments is, I mean, something that I'll always be able to hold dear to my heart. Um, I don't think there was another team that I had offers from that made it to three in the four years that I was playing. Um, there's a lot, a lot of high majors that don't make it to three out of four years. Um, but, you know, it's what, what can remain uh, consistent is just the uh, brotherhood um, between, between our coaches and, and our players within, um, you know, especially in March, um, the locker room that's closest to each other um, and, and is really getting along that that's typically the, the team that, you know, is, is going to pull it out at the end. Um, and, you know, my, my four years as a player at South Coast State, you could really feel that brotherhood. Um, and especially, you know, we, we fought through adversity my, my junior year. You know, we, we weren't very good early on. Um, and that brought us even closer together, especially, you know, you have such a new team. You, you kind of got to build that brother, brotherhood back up. Um, and fighting through that adversity with, with each other um, really brought us together in the end. Um, obviously made, made the NCAA tournament. But, you know, like I said, um, just, just being close-knit with coaches um, and your teammates, um, that's, that's kind of one thing that remained um, steady through my time at, at South Dakota State. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one thing that was also kind of uh, uh, present was a lot of really good games against USD. Uh, you guys had a lot of real big rivalry games. Obviously, we're releasing this the week of the rivalry game. Um, I think we all know probably everyone's favorite moment from the rivalry is, the, you know, the aura shot. Um, mm -hmm. Outside of maybe that one, what was kind of your favorite, you know, memory game from that, uh, that rivalry uh, while you were playing? You know, th there's so many and those games are so much fun. And I'd, I'd love to go back and play in one, you know, today. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we don't like them. They don't like us. I claim to be one of the most hated men in Vermillion still. Um, <laughs> but uh you know, it's, it's, it's all in good fun, you know, um, but, but as far as memories, like I said, there's so many, um, but one that kind of sticks out to me um, would have been my freshman year. We were down 20 to nothing um, at, at the start of the game and uh, coach Nagy called timeout. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Jackrabbit fans that left and ended up going to Cubbies. Um, but uh, <laughs> that was kind of a, 
you know, we got, we got hit in the mouth um, and, and, and how we were going to respond. Um, and, and we responded with, I think it was a 24 to two run. Um, and, and that's a lot with, uh, with those rivalry games. It's, um, you know, teams are going to go, go on runs um, and, it, and it's not going to be easy, but it's how you, how you respond and, and, and fight through that adversity um, to ultimately um, who, who can come out on top. No, for sure. And, you know, uh, speaking of like adversity, you were part of probably, I think, every every Jackrabbits fan, fan's most stressful uh, Summit League team, uh, the Cardiac Jacks, yep. obviously being a part of that. Um, and then, you know, you're also coaching. What was tougher for you, being a coach in those tight games or playing in those tough games? It's it's not close for me, um, you know, <laughs> coaching. Um, it's, I mean, when you're out there playing, you're just, you know, you're caught in the moment. Um, you know, you're focusing on the next possession. Um or when you're playing, um, but but when you're coaching, you're kind of sitting on the sitting on the bench like, man, hope these guys make the right play here. Um, so you know you have a little more control when you're out there. Um, so so coaching definitely puts puts a little more stress on you, and being a fan puts you even more stress on you. So um, where I'm at right now, I've I've had a pretty stressful year. <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously your time in SDSU as a coach and player, three different coaching, uh, you know, regimes in there. Played or you played for both TJ and Nagy, uh, and then obviously coach with Hendo. Uh, what are some things that were similar for you know even all three of those coaches? Um, and you know, is there anything you know giantly or vastly different between the uh, three of them there? Yeah, you know, I I love all three of those dudes. Um, I mean, they're all great, personable dudes. Um, they're all different in their own way. Um, you know, people talk about Nagy. Um, you know, he was more of the old school coach. Um, you know, get on you, hard nosed coach. Um, you know, I mean, they, they all, they're all great in their own way. Um, and, and TJ, you know, you know, when he, when he was at South Coast State, you know, he, he built his team around the personnel he had, you know, offensive minded, um, you know, really tighten it with the players, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, now you, now you look at him, he's at Iowa State, um, he's, he's building around the team he has there, um, doing a fantastic job. Um, they're built on defense. It's a little different. Um, and then Hendo, you know, he's, he's just an awesome guy. Um, you know, he's, he's really caring about his players, um, willing to do whatever it is to, to make everyone happy, um, as, as much as he can. Um, and, you know, he's, he's one of the most caring coaches I've ever been around. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's shown some success. Um, I mean, it's, it's not easy for the role he stepped in, you know, his first year, he, he took over a whole new team, um, and, and being able to, to be as successful as he was um, in, in the first couple of years is, is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, just quick follow-up to that with uh, talk about Hendo. Uh, that North Dakota State game, would you say that's the most emotional you've ever seen him? Or uh, were there times in the locker room, you know, that first half, he seemed to really be uh, chewing on refs. <laughs> and then that first time out when they were down, he really was laying into him. Is that the most emotional you've seen him? Or is there some other time you've seen him really amped up uh, you know, like that? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's easy to get emotional in those games. Um, you know, I, as a player, as a coach, you know, those are big games. You know, you know, it's it's a must win kind of if you want to get the, you know, looking at the two seed right now. Um, but I mean, there, there's there's been multiple times where you know he he gets fired up um, in practice and, and things like that. But it's 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 all in good heart. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, he's one of the most caring persons, one of the most caring people I've ever been around. Um, and you know, if, if, if I say that's the most emotional I've ever seen him in a game, 
uh, personally, maybe, um, you know, he got that technical early yeah. on in the year, uh, but I wasn't at that game. Um, but, you know, like I said, he, he does a good job. There's a reason, you know, he, he's getting emotional. He's, he's fighting for his guys. He cares so much about them. Um, and, and if you're a head coach or if you're a player and, and your head coach isn't willing to fight for you, um, there's kind of a problem there. And, and he's, he's willing to go to battle for you. And you've kind of alluded to it. This is your first year getting to be a fan of the of the Jackrabbit men's basketball team. Um, what have you seen for this year's team that has kind of uh, what have they done to take a step and kind of turn the corner? You know, they had dealt with a lot of injuries, but it seems like they're starting to get rolling at the right time. Yeah, You know, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between this team and, and the team my junior year, um, you know, my junior year, we lost a bunch of guys. There's a lot, a lot of new guys coming in. This team, you know, they probably have a little bit more, more returning, but, you know, there's some new guys stepping into new roles, um, and, and that's never easy, you know, and then fight, fighting through adversity, um, a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's been real special to watch them grow as a group um, and, and watch those guys step, in, step into each other's roles. I mean, give a shout-out to Zeke Mayo um, early on, struggling a little bit, you know, and, and it's not easy for a guy that, um, you know, might be the third option on a team to, to step into that leading scorer role um, and, and kind of be the star. But, you know, these last couple of weeks, he's been unbelievable um, and, and really stepped up in that role. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's really cool to watch all these guys, you know, fill the fill their roles as the year goes on um, and, and hopefully continue to get better at them. You know, hopefully we get healthy here um, and, and get our full group. Uh, ready to go down to Sioux Falls here in March. Yeah, you brought up Zeke. Um, I guess, you know, you obviously coached him for a year, um, and now you kind of see him change throughout this year. Um, with how he's playing now, obviously you also played with some pretty good guards, Coach Baylor as well. How does he kind of stack up with some similar things with uh, with those guards you did play with, you know, George and DeAndre and Coach and Baylor? Is there the things that you see he does that they weren't able to do or – um, well, how do you kind of view him as, you know, one of the guard, great guards that have come through the program lately? Yeah, I mean, he's he's so unbelievably smooth offensively. Um, you know, he's – I mean, his his mid-range game, his step-back game, um, you know, it's it's not like I've seen here before. Um, and, and being able to shoot off the dribble the way he does um, is, is pretty remarkable. And, 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 you know, he makes a lot of hard shots. Um, mm -hmm. and, and being able to, to knock those – shots down in a big moment is huge, especially early in March, you know, when we get down to, down to two balls, hopefully he can, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to step up and, and make some of those shots. And, and, you know, I think he's putting himself in a position where he's ready to do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, he's probably one of the, the best guards I, I've seen, you know, creating stuff off the dribble as far as um, his shot. No, and you mentioned March, uh, and it is getting down to that time. As the resident NCAA tournament expert in, in getting there uh, on this call, um, you know, how does SDSU get to the tourney this year? What, what's yeah, the formula? I mean, right now, uh, I mean, you're, you're just trying to get that two seed, right? Um, and, and I know how important that two seed is. You, you get a Saturday game, you get Sunday off. Um, so it's right now it's taking, taking each game um, – you know, one at a time, um, focusing on the next game ahead um, and, and you know, taking it one game at a time, getting that two seed, because um, like I said, that, that, Saturday, that Saturday game um, is, is huge. Um, and then from there, 
Um, it's, it's, you know, focusing on that first game. It's never easy getting those, getting those nerves out. Um, I, I think all four of my years, except for my freshman year, or yeah, except for my freshman year, that first game was, was kind of a bear and, and, and it wasn't easy. Um, and like you could see my, um, my first year as a GA, you know, we lost that one, eight game. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's all about getting those nerves out, just, just doing what you do best and, 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 and going from there. And then, like I said, the, the second game, you know, it's, it's the same thing. The pressure is, is a little bit on you um, being South Dakota State because all your fans are in there um, and, and you're just going to be a little bit nervous. Um, so, you know, taking it one game, a game at a time, obviously Oral Roberts is in a remarkable spot right now. They're, they're playing really good basketball. Um, but, you know, if you're able to get to that championship game and, and if you are playing Oral Roberts, you know, they got to take care of business too. Um, it, it's, they got some pressure on them. Um, haven't lost a game in the league yet. Um, but you know, if, if you do end up meeting with them in the championship game, you know, take care of business the first two games, they take care of business. Um, you know, you got that Jackrabbit crowd behind you. Um, and, and that's, that's a big advantage to, to South Dakota state. Um, but you know, anything can happen down there. We've, we've seen so many crazy upsets, um, my eight years there. Um, so it's, it's, it's take it one game at a time and, and, and kind of go from there. Um, there's not going to be an easy game. You got to realize that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a dogfight down there. Does the first game get a little bit harder uh, for like the two seeds, knowing now like the team you're going to play has already won a game uh, with the new format? Does that make it a little bit tougher? Because um, they'll get those nerves out of the way. Um, does that give a slight advantage maybe to the, you know, what probably the seventh seed coming into that matchup? Yeah, so I kind of talked about this with, with the coaches when I saw them this last weekend. Um, and, you know, it, it is a little bit of an advantage, you know, that you've played a game, um, you kind of got those nerves out. But also, uh, in, in years past, you know, you're the eight seed, you're, you're preparing for the one seed. You got a whole week to prepare for, the, for that game. Mm -hmm. um, now now you're, you're the seventh seed, you got to prepare for that 10 seed. And then the next night, you got a one day prep for that two seed. Um, so there, there is some give and take there, um, you know, getting those nerves out is a big thing, but also having a week to prepare is, is huge. Um, especially when you're a one or two seed and, and you're going up against the seven or eight seed and they got a whole week to prepare and you've already seen them twice. Um, so, so I, I mean, there's some give and take to it. Um, but it, it'll be nice not having to, if you are that one or two seed, not having to face a, a opponent for the third time with, with a week to prepare. No, for sure. And I know you're a big golf guy. Uh, we've had a lot of guys on the podcast from, you know, the team uh, right now that, and like last year, all they did was talk about how you're a golf fan and had all these competitions, <laughs> but we've kind of gathered Luke was the best golfer. Um, and then recently found out Charlie might be the most overrated according to Matt Mims. Yep. Um, how do you stack up against those two if you ever did, you know, go head to head? And can you confirm or is it, you know, Mims just making up a little bit about Charlie being the most overrated? Um, Chuck is probably overrated. Um, if, if I was going to play Chuck, I'd probably beat him by 12, 13 strokes is my guess. Um, I, I, I hear Kalen's not a bad golfer. Um, and I, and I know Figs isn't, isn't too shabby of a golfer. Luke's actually pretty pretty good golfer. I've actually golfed with him once and he, and he got me. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. I think he chipped in twice that day. So tough, tough to come back from that, but um, I don't know if Mimsy has much room to talk. You know, I, I was trying to work with his swing. We, we, we used to do uh, 
you know, team building exercises and one of them was golf and he was actually on my scramble team. So we, we had to fix him up a little bit and, and he started golfing a little better. <laughs> I think he did give himself like most improved or something like that. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. He's, he's really improved. It wasn't I as mean, good. <laughs> the, the driver kind of stayed on the ground for a little while, but we switched his grip around a little bit and got him figured oh. out. <laughs> no, it, it, it's always fun to hear those inside stories and, this is our last question. Normally, our last question for people is, you know, what's their favorite thing about Brookings? Um, for someone that was there for eight years uh, in a row, you know, it felt like probably or somewhere something like that. There's probably a lot of favorite things. But now that you've moved away, what is your thing that you most miss about Brookings? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easily the people. Um, you know, I, I've built so many relationships within that athletic department and and just you know, fans and, and, and boosters and Brookings and, and, you know, going back last weekend, it was, you know, an easy, I mean, it was hard to say goodbye to some people. Um, and cause you know, you never, I mean, I'll see them in the summer league again, but I mean, it's, it's seeing those people that used to be part of your life every single day. Um, and, and now you don't see them nearly as often, but, um, they're all great people, um, showed me so much support while I was there. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's honestly my second home. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I love Brookings. I love South Dakota state. Um, and you know, it's, it, it'll be nice to get back. No, for sure. And we appreciate you coming on. This has been a great interview. I think it'll get people ready for the USD rivalry game and the summer league tournament had heading up to that. So appreciate you coming on and, you know, we'll probably catch you at some league tournament. Yeah. Sounds good, boys. Have a good one. And that interview with Reed Tonehusen was brought to you by Drake's Place. Drake's Place is in Battle, South Dakota. If you need gas, if you need food, if you just need anything that you might find at a convenience store, make sure to stop in at Drake's Place in Battle, South Dakota. Anyone driving through that neck of the woods, they always have good food, different soups, and different specials at, at all times. So make sure to stop in at Drake's Place and support them because they support us. Yeah, and with that, we're going to go right into the women's side of things. Um, you know, two the more dominating wins for the Jack Rabbit women um, over again, North Dakota schools uh, really shook up the standings, you know, really made things interesting. I'll get into that a little bit later, uh, but we'll start with the North Dakota game um, winning 75 to six, 75 to 57. Uh, so, you know, another near 20 point victory for the Jacks um, kind of, you know, we always talk about how like seem to have that one quarter where they double up the other opponent. That one came in the third quarter this time. Uh, you know, UND really fought hard for fought hard for the first half. Then SCC just kind of took it to him in the third quarter. Um, Haley Timmer led the scoring with 16 points. Kaylee Tyson had 12 rebounds off the bench. Paige Meyer five assists leading the team. Cody initial takeaways from the win over the Fighting Hawks. Yeah, they came out a little slow in this one, um, and UND really played well up there um, at home for the first half, and then. SSU, like you said, was able to to have that quarter where they got the stops they needed. Their offense was clicking by that point. And, and you know, when you build a double-digit lead, this Jack Rebel women's team, they're not going to give that up. They're just too veteran, too consistent. And so um, they, they just continue to keep doing what they're doing, stacking wins and doing it in different ways. This game, Haley Timmer, she's just been, you know, great this past kind of month six weeks since the new year started uh she you know leading score 16 points um 
Callie Tyson's been a beast on the glass. I think she has had like 30-some rebounds in her last three games. Paige Meyer is getting more and more comfortable coming off the bench and contributing in that role and just, you know, doing a lot of the things that make her really successful. And, you know, up and down the lineup, they're getting the contributions where they need to, even in a game when, you know, their best player, Maya, probably had one of her more down games of the year, only scoring nine points, um, you know, three of eight from the floor. So it's just, it, it, it becomes repetitive, but the, they're just continuing to to do what they need to do to to win games in the Summit League, and, and no one's been able to really compete with them. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where it feels weird because every week I feel like we say the exact same thing both the women because, you know, every game almost seems to be the same. You know, they win by a lot. You know, they let them pl- some teams stick around for a little bit. Some don't, but they have a big quarter that kind of blows them out. Um, and then you look at it's like, nope, the entire team, you know, did something well. Um, and you just kind of change the names. Um, a big one this week, you know, we talked about both games. Talk about both games, like uh, Tyson, you know, off the bench, huge games, up, uh, just even rebounding and defensively. Uh, AJ said in his weekly roundup, um, spun out, she's kind of, you know, the first true big center that they have, you know, defensively since over. Uh, you know, Peyton's, you know, probably more of that stretch five kind of position. Um, Tori, kind of same thing where they go kind of go outside. Whereas Tyson's probably that true five where, you know, she's not going to go out and shoot any threes, but she's going to work down low, rebound, score, block shots, you know, dis- disrupt what's going on down there. So um, she's been a big contributor down the last few games, uh, not just offensively, but with rebounds and just doing all the little things. Um, so she's been good there. And then, um, you know, I think another big thing is we're just, every game we're seeing a little bit more of Paige Meyer. Uh, we're seeing her get even closer to back to that kind of 100%. She was, you know, uh, last year at the beginning of the season before her injury. So every game we just see a little bit more, you know, we see her and Drew play a little bit more together. Um, but yeah, you know, there's not a lot of teams that probably have the luxury of having a Drew and Paige, you know, playing together uh, with Paige off the bench. Um, and just, you know, like the solid contributions, um, you know, around the team. And I think another big thing to look at is you look at some of those players that maybe aren't getting a ton of minutes. But the, right now they're you're going up against this, you know, this first team in practice. If they're going like you know starting five or second five, um, probably not a lot. You know, there's probably some better matchups um, between those two fives than some of these summer league matchups for the SDS women. So uh, they're probably getting some better workouts, you know, in practice. You got going against second fives because they do have that capable five coming off the bench. Um, just you know, they throw different can throw different things at them. So I think there's a lot, you know. The women can really, um, you know, they're obviously, you know, playing better. And um, I do think teams come in a little bit more confident the second go around because, you know, they've taken the best punch from SDSU. They've had a chance to adjust a little bit and see if they can throw anything out there. So, uh, you know, we're still seeing SDSU get these big wins. I think that, you know, shows that once, you know, the UNDs are making adjustments, once SDSU sees what they're doing, they're able to, you know, adjust at half and um, turn it back up and, you know, great distance in the score. Yeah, and a couple just stats to point out in this one, 20 offensive rebounds for SDSU. You know, I think they had one other game maybe a couple weeks ago where they had – it might have been 30. So they, they've been getting these huge offensive rebounding um, performances. Callie Tyson had eight in this one. So <laughs> that that's incredible. And then they got to the line in this one too, uh, 25 of 33 from the line. So they're – 
Uh, I know a or AJ said it in his um, kind of weekly roundup, but they're just tenacious on both ends of the court. They're it's probably one of the more aggressive SDSU teams. You know, typically the the most aggressive team in the league. You'd probably say had been USD for the past couple of years, but I think SDSU is definitely taking that that crown this year, and they're they're doing things with purpose and, and being aggressive and playing fast, and you know, teams just aren't able to hang with them. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, shot a lot of free throws in this game, shot 30-plus free throws in the second game. Um, obviously, offensive rebounds are good. Does mean you're missing shots. <laughs> so, you know, good and bad. But, uh, you know, you're you're stealing that many possessions with uh, that many offensive rebounds. And um, if SCSU's, you know, I'd say if is getting 10 or more offensive rebounds, you're probably not going to beat them. You know, if you're going to give them 10 extra shots, you know, they're probably going to convert on 90% of those. You know, that's an extra 18 to 20 points a game probably for them. So, um, yeah, when SDSU is doing that, you know, when they're willing to crash the boards on both ends, you know, out-rebounding, um, you know, the fighting hot, what, 47 to 40. Um, they're really controlling the boards on both ends. So, just a, a really good game uh, for SDSU again. Probably a team that, you know, they expect to go in and beat uh, right now. Just the way the two programs are going. Uh, you know, UND is right in the middle there. But I think, you know, especially the way they're playing this year, SDSU expects to, you know, beat every team. Um, and especially these middle pack teams, like, they expect big wins. No, 100%. And I don't know if I have too much else to say on, on this one other than, you know, like you said, is going to somewhat of a rival's territory and, and get a good dub. Yeah, and you know we'll go into the next game a little bit different, um, kind of a similar storyline. Came out slow in the first quarter. Uh, USD or excuse me, NDSU uh, won the first quarter, twenty-three to eighteen. Uh, the second quarter, SDSU made adjustments, tightened up on defense, went on an eighteen-three run to dominate the second quarter. Uh, uh, so way over doubling, <laughs> uh, and then they also had their double up third quarter, uh, twenty-eight to three. 13, excuse me. So, gave up 16 total points in the second and third quarter. Um, NDSU outscored themselves in the first quarter, uh, you know, than they did in the second and third combined. So, um, like you you brought up the intensity on defense. Don't know what AJ did, saw, um, but, you know, really just said, you know, did something. And they, well, second second that second quarter started, it was, you know, game over for the Bison. It was all SDSU from uh the starting second quarter to the end of the game. Yeah, and they've come out just a touch, maybe a little bit slow in, in their road games this year. Um, and haven't, it's taken them a little bit to settle into their offense. But yeah, like you said, there must have been a point of emphasis that AJ made that, you know, really had him clamp down on the on the defensive end because, yeah, three points in a quarter. <laughs> It's it, it's tough to win basketball games when you only score three points in a quarter. So, outstanding job by SDSU's defense, and you know individual performances in this one. Haley Timmer, obviously another sixteen points leading scorer. Maya Selland had fifteen, got her two thousandth career point. So only one of two um, SDSU um, women's basketball players with Macy Miller to to score two thousand points in her career. So I'm sure when she comes back um, after the USD game. Uh, and has a home game, she'll get recognized for that in front of her home crowd. Um, but we saw some more Paige in this one, 25 minutes out of her. And like you said, it's it's kind of more the same. 
Yeah, and, um, you know, again, like I brought up last time, they had uh, 32 free throw attempts. Did shoot 41% from three this time, so double up the three-point percentage, um, which obviously leads to less offensive rebounds. Uh, still had eight of them, though, in this game. Uh, again, that's just stealing eight possessions. That's probably, like I said, probably 10 to 14 points for them um, if they don't convert on all of them. But uh, won the rebounding battle overall 36 to 23. Um, I think, you know, when you're dominating the boards like that, you're not giving the other team any second chances. Um, very limited there. And you're, you know, making it hard for them to get out on that fast break. So um, offensively, they played very efficient. And, they just, you know, they really didn't give up many second chances for NDSU. Tyler Tyson again with another 10 big – or another big 10 rebounds for the Jackrabbits. So – um, again, controlling the glass. She's just doing a lot of the small things. Only six points in this one. Only shot three times, but again, 10 boards, leads the team. Um, no one else really even close to what she did off on the boards. Um, but you just, you know, look across, Tori Nelson, 12 points, four or four from the field, uh, one, one from three. Uh, Selen, 15 points. Timmer, 16. Drew, five. 11 for Brooke Meyer. You know, she had another big game. And, Said that from her for, you know, a few games here. And then Paige, again, 15 points. So, um, seems like every game, you know, they had two or three players that have them. You know, Peyton had a good game against UND. Didn't score in this one, but then Brooke Meyer steps up. Or it seems like every game we just did a different secondary player that steps up and has big performance. And um, it's, it's kind of funny because you, you could just erase a name after every game and replace it with a different name. Um, you know, be like, so-and-so had a good – you know, performance off the bench. Uh, so-and-so had a big game first time, maybe not the second. You just kind of, you just keep changing names and it seems like the storyline is the same for the SEC women. They're very consistent. They have five, six players that are going to score double figures every game. Um, and, you know, they're going to play through Maya, but Maya's not going to force anything. They play very efficient. And, you know, again, big win. And this was coming off probably their worst start in the game. You know, losing, probably not a lot of games they've lost the first quarter in conference play. Maybe just the Earl Roberts game. So uh, they had the ability on the road, uh, you know, in an environment where, you know, NDSU, obviously being at Frost made it hard to watch. But um, um, I'm guessing NDSU had a decent crowd. Uh, so, you know, playing in what was probably a semi-hostile environment, one of the maybe more hostile um, in the conference just because there isn't, you know, some of the league not known for their crowds outside of SDSU and USD um, in those big rivalry games. But, um, you know, it is on the road. There will be opposing fans. So. Um, you know, the fact that they were able to do that and dominate the second quarter just shows, you know, they are more veteran and uh team that's able to, you know, erase uh kind of the bad first quarter and just take over the second. Yeah, and, you know, hostile environment, like you said, it was NDSU's first loss at home this year. It was also SDSU's 26th straight regular season Summit League game. So when you talk about consistency, it's <laughs> that's a model of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think one other thing to note, and this kind of goes into the USD game and the rest of the season as well, is I think I think it'll be interesting to see, but I would expect that Paige and Drew end up playing more and more together as the season winds down into the Summer League tournament, just because I think, um, you know, if there is a close game and they need good free throw shooters and good ball handlers out on the court, you know, I would expect those two to to maybe play together a little bit more as we come down the stretch and into the Summit League tournament and hopefully NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I, I'm not 100% sure, uh, but I think going into the USD matchup, 
I think a win clinches uh, uh, the Saturday game. Um, not a hundred percent sure on that, but I maybe they have to wait till Oral, maybe they have to wait two games with Oral Roberts now only having four losses because uh, obviously they own the tiebreaker over NDSU um, for the two seats. So like no matter what, they can't finish lower than the two. But um, I think you know they're pretty close to clinching that one seed, um, if not just you know the first round by. You're probably one win away from clinching the first round uh, Saturday matchup, and then two wins from clinching the one seed. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think, and that will take us, I guess, into that USD matchup. I guess, uh, like we said, you know, rematch of the earlier season uh, game where they played up in Brookings. Uh, SCSU again, obviously, came away with the win. Uh, part of that really hot week they had, we scored 118 points in this game. Uh, you know, really made some USD fans mad for how late they played their starters for whatever reason, even though they didn't play them that many minutes. Um, 118 to 59, Peyton Burkhardt had 22 points, um, leading the team in, uh, I believe, in most, if not all, I guess, other than assists, led the team in rebounds and points. Um, but yeah, you know, very dominating game. USD obviously threw the tape away from that game and didn't want to uh, pay much, too much attention to it, I guess, Cody. How do you duplicate that on the road? Obviously, 118 points. That's two points away, I believe, from like the school record for them. Obviously, probably not realistic to expect that again on the road. What are some of their keys to you know have another dominating win? Yeah, you know, the, the first matchup was a tale of two extremes. USD probably played one of its worst games of the year. SSU played arguably its best game of the year. So that's probably not going to happen again. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be SDSU's toughest environment they've probably played in in conference play. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of fans there. USD will have the, the energy ready to go. And I think that's probably a big focus area is in both the North Dakota and North Dakota State games, they didn't come out in that first quarter. And so it'll be a point of emphasis to, to come out and, you know, be – battling and have the energy to match USDs from the start because you don't want to get behind in that environment because then, you know, maybe just a little bit of lack of confidence creeps in, the, the fans start getting in your head. And so uh, come out hot and with energy. And I think they, they're definitely the more talented team. USD struggled at times this year. It's not the USD of past. And um, Grace Larkins was in foul trouble early in that matchup. She's going to play more minutes in this one. So trying to limit what she does and their shooters do. But, um, you know, at, at this point, SDSU has dominated so many of the summer league games. It's more about if they can execute how they've been executing, you know, they're the favorite to win. Yeah. Like I said, um, or like you said, Grace had four fouls there. They had, uh, I believe, five players with four fouls in that game. SEC, like we said, shot 30 free throws, you know, the last two games. Probably a big key for them, attack the rim, draw more fouls. They're going to be the quicker, more athletic team SEC will be. So, hey, use it to your advantage. Be physical. Get to the rim because um, you're going to draw those fouls. And obviously, USD wasn't able to respond or adjust last time when they started committing those. So, just do it again. Um, and I think, you know, you come away from uh, Vermillion with a clean sweep of the Coyotes. Uh, probably the first one since the last undefeated conference season for the Jackrabbits. Um, but yeah, go get a couple big wins there. Or go get a big win there. Like I said, lock up a Saturday game. Um, and, uh, you know, get ready for the last four games of some of the tournament, last road trip or last home stand, excuse me, um, before, you know, 
Sioux Falls. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, like you said, Grace Larkin is the key. Um, that drives, you know, the Coyotes. So just keep her in control. And I think you win the game, again, pretty convincingly. Yeah, and I, I don't have too much else else to add. But I guess maybe SCSU being the more aggressive and kind of tenacious team that in this matchup that generally has been USD, but I think mm-hmm. SDSU is ready to take that from them in, in this matchup and do what they did earlier this year in Frost. No, I agree. Um, there's, you know, not a whole lot you can take away from a 118 to 59 blowout. Um, other than, you know, they dominated the game. SDSU obviously probably not going to shoot 60% from the field again, get 70 shots up and, uh, you know, go 53% going 17 of 32 from three. Probably not a realistic recipe to repeat. Um, just the amount of shots they took in that game is ridiculous. Um, but just, you know, looking at all the stats, they shot 70 times. They shot 32 from three. They also shot 26 free throws. Um, and they had 17 offensive rebounds. So dominate the old boards, and you try to dominate the game again. Um, they're probably not going to get 70 shots up, but – who knows? Uh, just like you said, be the more be the aggressor, and you're going to win the game. I think um, in this case, so uh, it'll be a fun matchup to see. It's always fun. You know, the rivalry games are always fun to watch. But uh, with that being said, we will move over to our Culver's Stars of the Week. Um, again, this uh, is brought to you by Culver's. Stop at them in Watertown and Brookings. Uh, just get a butter burger, get some custard, get, you know, they have a big menu, lots of good food. Like I said before, the chicken tenders there are really good as well. Um, they, have a, so they have something for everybody. Um, and, you know, I'm down here in Omaha. We're getting some 50-degree days. Uh, custard sounds really good in those uh, that kind of weather. So uh, we're getting close to some good weather in Omaha. Uh, so if you're around at Culver's, get some custard to get that summer feeling going already. But, uh, Cody, going into the stars of the week, I will, uh, like weekly, I'll let you go first. Okay, so going first, and in this one I think we both probably have an obvious choice, but since I have um, the luxury of going first, I will have Zeke Mayo be my um, Culver's Star of the Week. So just an incredible performance from him, career high, um, you know, one of the, the best scoring outputs uh, Jackrabbit men's players ever had. Um, and that was just one of the games of the weekend. So he had 41 points, five turnover or five assists, zero turnovers against NDSU. And then also had a pretty decent game against uh, UND and got his teammates involved and just continues to grow um, and, and become the the star player that SDSU needs him to be on this team. Yeah, I know the segment star of the week. Uh, I'm going to go with, you know, someone that it's more of a star of a game. But I think, you know, just the confidence that kind of came out of it for him uh, was Matt Moore's. You know, had his first real big game for SCC, 23 points, uh, 8 of 9 from the field. Just um, really led, uh, led the team in that game. Uh, didn't, you know, took some pressure off Zeke for a game, but the other guys contributed. You know, like I said, first real big game for him. Um, so giving it more for the individual performance in the one game, you know, had some foul trouble in the second, so limited him there. But uh, for his... His work in game one of the week, I'm giving my star to Matt Moores. We'll uh, get the poll up uh, with the rest of the guys on there and girls 
from the week probably include Maya, probably include Haley, um, you know, Tyler Dent as well. We'll see. We'll narrow it down and get that poll out here um, at the end of this week. But I guess with that being said, Cody will go around the summit now. Some storylines coming out this week. We'll start with the standings on the men's side. Uh, no surprise at the top. Still Oral Roberts at 12-0. Uh, SCSU following 9-4. Western dropped a big game at Denver. Dropped them to 8-5. St. Thomas at 7-6. Casey and NDSU at 6-6. Six six. USC at 6-7. Denver at 4-9. Omaha at 3-10. And, and UND at 2-10. Um, initial takeaways. Western losing to Denver, I think, was a shock to everybody, especially losing by 30. Um, just wild. You know, coming off of an uh, emotional high week, you know, just absolutely coming out flat. I think you and NDSU having an 0-2 week really put them in trouble, of, you know, potentially playing on Friday. Um, that, you know, they're a game out of there right now. So that's probably a scary thought for them is they're going to be playing on Friday, uh, potentially. But uh, what are some of your, you know, takeaways? I think – yeah, the battle for the two seed, big week for SDSU, down week for Western, um, and, and St. Thomas even creeping up into that conversation. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch, you know, that battle for the two seed. And there's still a lot of other teams that are in contention, but those are kind of the ones right there at the moment. And then I think the other storyline is NDSU and where they finish up because, you know, they they could be anywhere down to the seven or eight seed um, and – that's probably a dangerous spot for them to be for anyone that has to go up against them. You know, if, if SDSU is the two and they have to play an NDSU seven seed that has already won a game in the tournament, I don't like that matchup, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting because they've had an up and down year, but I would say when they're at their best, they're a top four team in the league. For sure. Um, yeah, I think, you know, them coming off a Friday matchup, they got the jitters out of the way already. SDSU has those still. Probably a favorable matchup for NDSU in that case. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I expect them to right the ship a little bit this week, get out of that action, and hopefully they end up on the Earl Roberts side. I think, you know, if you're an SDSU fan, you might try to see St. Thomas on your side of the bracket versus NDSU. I think even Western. I think if you give us – you know, obviously, you run into the issue of does Master have a game? But I think, you know, if you have Charlie, you have Alex back, and you have the rest of the squad, I don't think you're too worried. Um, Western has given us some troubles in the tournament as of late, though. That is true. That is true. <laughs> we have had some uh, scary moments there, but uh, they, they don't have a Gilbeck that's going to stop every shot at the rim this time. So um, that was kind of, you know, we've had some interesting matchups in the past. Um, also, like that, it's not going to be a team we play right away that we ended the season with. Seems like we had like a stretch of like five years in a row where our last game of the season was our first game in the tournament. I don't think we're going to have that this year. Um, actually, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> so uh, with Oral Roberts, so <coughs> so that's always good. <coughs> can't can't talk now. Um, with that, you know, not a whole lot other than you know some bunching up on the men's side. We have some, you know a lot of teams in that middle ground right now between seven and six and six and seven. So. Four teams that really could go about anywhere. And um, so we'll see what happens there. Women's side, uh, again, top of the thing. No surprise. SDSU at 13-0. Or Roberts at NDSU tied for second at 8-4. USD at 7-6. UND at 6-6. Six six. Omaha and Denver at 6-7. Kansas City at 3-9. Western and St. Thomas at 3-10. and 
at the bottom. Uh, again, not many surprises on the women's side. I think, you know, Oral Roberts having an interesting season. Back out of where I think we expected them to be after the initial matchup with SDSU. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's an 8-4, and four, SDSU at 13-0. Uh, we're getting close to clinching, and then Maya, you know, scoring the 2,000 points uh, was really the only storyline that I really had from the week. Yeah, I think, like you said, SDSU clinching, Oral Roberts' five-game win streak. Um, you know, they're looking to – to potentially set themselves up to make some noise in the women's side uh, of the tournament, which they haven't really ever done, or at least in a long time, to my knowledge, since it's been at the Denny. And then, you know, as of right now, USD at the four seed, potentially setting up a semifinal game, uh, you know, with SDSU, which I don't know the last time we ever have seen that on the women's side. Um, you know, it seems like those two have only ever met in the championship. So, mm-hmm. so some interesting things to look out for seeding-wise, but we're a long ways from – finalizing those other than potentially SDSU clinching. Yeah, we got a lot of bunching up there as well. A lot of people pretty similar. So a uh, couple big matchups coming up this week uh, for just, you know, someone in whole, uh, someone in whole uh, league as a whole uh, should, you know, get a little bit more idea of how the bracket will be shaping up because everybody else is playing two games. So, you know, we should see some movement in the standings. Um, with that being said, that's all we have for this week. Again, thanks, Reed, for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Go give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, we will see you guys all next week uh, with hopefully, you know, another 2-0 week.